Welcome back to Confessing the Faith, a podcast devoted to conversations concerning Christian doctrine and the Christian life. Uh, this is Joe Anity back with you, and today I have a special guest. His name is Jason Walter. He's the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Vista, California. Jason, it's really good to be with you here today. Yeah, thanks. I've enjoyed my day with you guys. Yeah, Jason uh, was kind enough to come out and to uh, preach for us uh, this morning at Emmaus, and he also taught during our Sunday school hour, our Emmaus Essentials hour, as we call it, mm-hmm. on associationalism. Um, I feel like I should give a little bit of a background as to why all of this is going on, um, uh, why we've had him come out and preach and teach. Uh, I was able to go and preach and teach for him a few weeks back down at the church in Vista, um, but this is really a part of uh, a process of Emmaus exploring coming into uh, the Southern California Association of Reformed Baptist Churches. And so um, the process is actually a pretty simple one. It's basically us getting to know you, you getting to know us, and making sure it's a good fit. And then um, the church in Vista, Lord willing, sponsoring us coming into the association someday. And so we're just kind of barely getting into that, getting to know one another. And uh, that's why Jason's down and preaching and teaching, and we're, we're just starting to interact with one another. But I thought it would be good to take, I don't know how long this will take, to be honest with you, I have no idea, but to take some time and to ask Jason some questions about his um, testimony, his background, family, that sort of stuff, and also uh, the background of, of Christ Reformed Baptist Church. Uh, and I figured this would be a really good place to do that so that folks can listen to it, and if they um, you know, weren't at a particular class or service, they could listen in later. So that's what we're doing here. And so I guess we should just get right into this. Uh, Jason, I think it'd be good for you to tell us a bit about your family, your wife, kids, when you got married, that sort of stuff, if you don't mind just beginning with that. Sure. Uh, my wife, Jody, we've been married for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in, in May. Uh, so that was 2006 uh, that we got married. Uh, we met at college. We both attended the same uh, fundamentalist Baptist Bible College up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, that's kind of our, our church background. And uh, we came in the same year, so we knew each other, but kind of went our separate ways. And then uh, I'll probably mention a little bit more of this in a, a bit with, with my testimony, but it was you know at college that I kind of began reforming in, in my understanding. And one of my friends uh, who was kind of reforming <laughs> along along with me uh, eventually married Jody's sister. And so uh, we ended up kind of spending a little bit more time together. And I, I had my my eye on her for a little while, but then she, uh, I heard that she kind of turned a guy down because he was too Arminian. And I figured as one of like four camp Calvinists on campus that I had a pretty good shot with her. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I was impressed. Uh, and then it was uh, actually a long trip. Our last semester of college, we were driving down to St. Louis where uh, her sister and brother-in-law had ended up and we were just going to visit them and she caught a ride with me. And uh, so we spent a lot of time in a car together talking and that was kind of it. But yeah, so we, we got married uh, about a year after college mm-hmm. and uh moved out to California pretty quickly after that uh, for seminary. Uh, but we've got two kids. Uh, Ava is uh, three going on four, and Audrey just turned one this last week on Wednesday, Veterans Day. Yeah, wonderful. And it's been great getting to know your family as you brought them out with you this morning. And uh, just a beautiful family, and <laughs> I'm excited for you with that, right? It's a real joy, mm. obviously, being married and raising these children up in the Lord. Um, tell us a little bit about when and how you came to faith in Christ? Yeah, that was also uh, at college. Uh, my father is, uh, is a, a Baptist pastor, 
fundamentalist Baptist pastor, a very faithful man, and so I know I grew up hearing the, the gospel, uh, but just God never uh, opened my eyes to it. Uh, but it was my first semester in college, and I was taking a class on um, the Pauline epistles, and uh, the professor was teaching through Romans, and just in that section there, the beginning of Romans on justification by faith, and just understood the gospel in a way I'd never understood it before. And uh, he did an excellent job uh, teaching and bringing out the kind of nuances of that doctrine. But I just remember it was, I don't remember the date or time exactly, but sometime during that semester, my first semester of college, and uh, or actually it'll be my second semester, freshman year. Um, but I remember just after that class regularly kind of going back to my room and just weeping over the, the beauty of Christ's righteousness. And, you know, seeing my sin, I, I'd always, of course, had an understanding of the law too, and so knew about my sin and had struggled with, with that and with the guilt of it. Um, uh, but it was, it was just finally God opened my eyes to the gospel during that class right there at the beginning of college. So you're telling me that the Spirit of God can actually work within academic uh, realms and <laughs> you know, bring people to life. That's and- a good point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it was that case for me. I, I know many of my friends at that college that they had the same experience. You're not the only one to be converted by the early chapters of, of Romans either. Man. No, Some great figures no. in church history also share that same testimony, right? Yeah, so. exactly. That's wonderful. And I'm listening to you, and you have a, a fairly diverse uh, background uh, in, when it comes to your Christian education or mm-hmm. your, your education. Why don't you share a little bit about that, uh, your your undergrad and eventually your master's uh, work? Sure. Yeah, I, I went to, uh, in my, my background, uh, it was common for kids when they got to college age to go to Bible college, you know, whether they had any particular interest or desire in ministry. Uh, and, and so I did. I went to, uh, it was called Northland Baptist Bible College at the time. Uh, a few years after I graduated, they changed it to Northland International University, and now it doesn't exist. <laughs> About oh. 10 years after graduation, uh, they, they changed theologically, I think kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with some things. But they um, they actually tried to give themselves away a little while ago to uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. and, and become kind of a branch campus of Boyce College. But the, the school really, uh, at least when I was there, was excellent. Um, you know, I... I moved uh, a little bit in my theology uh, since since that, but still really look at, at God's providence in bringing me and, and my wife to, to Northland. Of all of the schools we would have been allowed to go to, Northland was, was certainly the best. They had a very high view of scripture. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they emphasized the biblical languages. That's what my major uh, was actually in. I got a oh. master's of art or a bachelor of arts in, in biblical languages. So, uh, about three years of Greek and two years of Hebrew, along with some some extra courses at the time. So you could see they they really emphasized exegesis. They really emphasized expository preaching. Uh, it was really the first time I learned and had much practice in preaching for that. Mm. Uh, so it was a, it was really was a, an excellent education that that I received there. The campus itself, though, in northern Wisconsin, I mean, <laughs> northern northern Wisconsin, right. uh, like you hit Green Bay. And you go for about an hour and a half north into the middle of nowhere, and, and it's just in the middle of a uh, of a forest. Mm. Uh, it originally started as a camp, but that's why it's it's so isolated, I guess. But uh, it was oh, just bitterly cold <laughs> in the winters, negative thirties, negative forties. And at the time, my family were down in Florida, and so I was spending my summers in Florida. 
and then my winters in northern Wisconsin. Summer's lifeguarding at a camp in Florida, and so out in the sun all the time. Uh, so seasonal affective disorder is mm-hmm. definitely real. <laughs> and yeah. It's something that I would experience every winter. That's a brutal winter. transition. Yeah, It was. But it was during that time, and again, just, just kind of building off of what our professors were teaching us, um, you know, they, they weren't uh, opposed to the doctrines of grace, didn't really emphasize them, uh, very dispensational, especially in their eschatology. Um, but it was, it was really just taking the tools that they were giving to us that I and a group of friends started reading on our own and digging further and really started um, coming to an understanding of the doctrines of grace and Reformed theology. Mm-hmm. And so it was shortly after my... Uh, my conversion, the first year of college, uh, just had a you know a new hunger for the word and just desire for learning about God and these things. And I had been introduced to the doctrines of grace when I was in high school through a friend and okay. thought it was absolute heresy. Uh, just never really heard of it and, and, and you know thought it was horrible sounding. But in the providence of God, uh, a couple of summers into college, I, I was camping with my family and picked up at a Salvation Army for 50 cents, a copy of Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology. Yeah. Uh, didn't even know really what a systematic theology was at that time. But I had been reading through the Gospel of John, and then someone asked me a question about election and, and all of that again. And I thought, oh, let me look up, see what this guy has to say. And, uh, you know, read about the doctrines of grace, uh, unconditional election, all of that. And I know for a lot of people that's a painful transition. For me, it was just... Oh yeah, that's what I've been reading about in the Gospel of John. <laughs> it's, it was just there, and right, suddenly right. It, it clicked and made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after that, uh, another summer, I was te- uh, or counseling down at that camp in Florida again, and wanted to attend a uh, a Reformed church, which to me at that time Reformed meant Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. So I went to a couple of Presbyterian churches, visited, uh, didn't quite feel comfortable with any of them, and then picked up a phone book again in the providence of God and found a heading entitled Baptist, Reformed. And the first time I'd ever heard the term Reformed Baptist, I thought, That's, that must be what I am. Uh, so attended that church for that summer and just loved it. Um, one of the things in particular that struck me was the, just the godliness and the, the graciousness and humility of the men of the congregation. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, you know, I was a, a new Calvinist and probably arrogant as a lot of new Calvinists are, but to see what the doctrines of grace, you know, really are meant to do to humble the pride of man and make yeah. us so gracious to, to others. Uh, so when I got back to college, I picked up a copy of the journal, uh, Reformed Baptist Theological Review, that's what it was at that time. Uh-huh. I think it, it's changed and or maybe it doesn't exist anymore. But Reformed Baptist Theological Review in the first uh, chapter in there, the first article was was by James Renahan, a guy I'd never heard of. But he had an excellent article on the ordinary means of grace and sanctification, which was an issue I was struggling with at the time. And so I, I looked him up and found that he was the dean of the Institute of Reformed Baptist Studies uh, at Westminster Seminary, California. And so that's what made my decision to come out to California. So then we, uh, after getting married, Jody and I moved out and uh, waited a couple of years, but then started at Westminster um, and, and went through that program. And that, of course, was was just uh, was wonderful. I mean, excellent right, instruction. Right. Yeah, it's a great program down there. I've had the privilege of just taking one class from Dr. Renahan, but it was just so edifying. It was, it was very rich and uh, and then that in combination with uh, an MDiv from Westminster, that's what you have, right? Yes. Uh, great school. Wonderful. So mm-hmm. uh, that's very exciting. What about um, 
the church, Christ Reformed Baptist Church of Vista. Uh, could you tell us a bit about its history and your history with them so that we can uh, kind of have a picture in our minds, you know, as to what that church is all about? Of course. Uh, probably a good question where we ended up with the last one because uh, it was really because of the Institute of Reformed Baptist Studies uh, in Escondido at, the, at Westminster Seminary that our church was planted. Uh, it was uh, planted and constituted in, in uh, May of 2001. And uh, Jim Renahan, uh, who's now my fellow pastor, uh, but he, he was one of the, the elders to begin with. There was another man named uh, Ron Martina. Uh, I never met him. He, uh, he uh, moved on from the church a few months before my wife and I moved out to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I understand it, I wasn't there. But the church uh, uh, began with, um, with those two elders, with a handful of other people, but really from scratch. They were planted from uh, Trinity Reformed Baptist Church in La Mirada. Oh, okay. Uh, so they, they kind of helped us help the church out for a while. Uh, the church met originally in, in Rancho Bernardo, just there in uh, north of San Diego. Actually, it's part of San Diego, but a, a northern suburb. Uh, soon after, moved into a hotel conference room in Escondido and took the name Escondido Reformed Baptist Church. So we, we used to be Escondido Reformed Baptist Church. Uh, and then the church was there for, for quite a while. It was there when uh, my wife and I came. Uh, always was was quite small, uh, kind of struggled to to get traction and visibility in the community. Uh, a lot of seminary students, but they'd be there for a few years and then move on. Uh, my wife and I moved out there in August of uh, 2006. And uh, at the time, again, Jim was the only elder and he uh, is very busy with his work with the Institute. And so he couldn't uh, preach uh, full time. Uh, Pastor Jeff Massey, uh, who also uh, is now has planted a church in Redlands, uh, was preaching three times a month for us. So he was my first kind of exposure to the the preaching of Reformed Baptists out here. Uh, Really appreciated him. He was going through the gospel of of John like you are. And... uh, then uh, after that, the church got grew a little bit, had a few more seminary student interns, and for a while, the seminary students kind of helped the two elders uh, with the pulpit ministry of the church. And then they all graduated, <laughs> right. which left two elders uh, who both had very full-time work uh, elsewhere. And so uh, before my second year of seminary, the church actually asked me to take over the bulk of the pulpit ministry. Uh, so for my last two years of seminary, I was preaching three times a week or oh, three boy. times a month, three times right. a month, uh, like Jeff Massey had been doing. Uh, really, you know, we, we grew to love the people and love the church. Uh, by the time I graduated, we'd been in the church for about five years. And uh, that was May of 2011. And I graduated from Westminster on a Saturday and then was ordained and installed as a pastor that Sunday, <laughs> which sounded fast. But, of course, we'd been in the church for there. five years. Yeah. I'd been preaching for two. Uh, we loved the people. And, and so they, um, you know, it's, it's been a joy. We've been there uh, as pastor now. I have for uh, about four and a half years. And, uh, you know, God's been pleased to, to give us some growth. Uh, we moved the church from Escondido to Vista, which is a couple towns west from us, uh, actually right before I came on as pastor in January of 2011. And that's been a really good move for us. We have a, we rent there, but it's, we have access to it 24-7 and um, it's, it's our building and, and everything. So we've, we've uh, enjoyed that and God's been pleased to give us some, some growth since that time. Uh, what what are some challenges that you face? And I ask this um, so that the people of Emmaus or whoever happened to listen to this uh, podcast are able to pray for you. Um, mm. Any challenges that come to mind when I ask that question? <laughs> yes, there are. Of course, any, any ministry challenge. Um, 
one of our biggest challenges and has been in the history of the church is, is kind of just turnover, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's difficult to, to establish long-term you know, ministry that way. We have a lot of seminary students that, that come to us and their families, which is a great blessing. They add so much to our church, uh, but at the same time, they're there for two, three years, and then they're gone. Uh, we also get a lot of military uh, because mm-hmm. San Diego County, and we're yeah, right next sense. to Camp Pendleton, so a lot of Marines. Um, so they come for you know about three years, two, three years, and then they go on. And then just, I don't know, it seems like our area and, and that a lot of people move to the area for a few years for jobs and then get relocated elsewhere mm. uh, so we've had a lot of turnover um, in the in the, the years uh, that, that we've been there uh, also you know as a a small church we we just um, you know have our fair share of, of pastoral needs which is uh, you know a blessing and it's something that that is good um, but just uh, you know requires a lot of a lot of pastoral wisdom and and uh, yeah yeah, just just helping our people walk through living in a sin cursed world, and I know every pastor says that, but uh, that that certainly is is what normally comes to my mind. Yeah, and those are things we certainly need to be faithful in uh, in our prayers uh, for mm-hmm. for you guys, and uh, would definitely encourage our people to do so as they listen to this uh, to lift up Christ Reformed Baptist Church in, in prayer regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, another question I had was uh, if you could tell us a bit more about your co elder, uh, Doctor Renahan. You've already mentioned him, and mm-hmm. obviously he's been an influential figure in your life, you know, um, <laughs> as a professor, uh, but now you're, you're able to serve alongside him. And part of the reason I ask this is just in, in a way, I wish I could have had this uh, interview with the two of you, you know, he's, <laughs> sure. he's uh, not here today. And so maybe you can, f- um, just give us a better idea of who he is and, and all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, James Renahan. He's uh, he is fairly well known in Reformed Baptist circles for whatever that's worth, <laughs> but uh, rightly so. Uh, in fact, just at the the pastors' conference we had a few weeks ago, he was honored with a um, uh, with a, a book of essays written in his honor. Um, yeah. uh, by common confession is the title. I, I don't think it's quite released yet, but um, but he was he was honored by that in honor of his 60th birthday. But he. Excuse me. Has been really with uh, you know the Reformed Baptist movement for for most of his ministry, and uh, he he got his uh, doctorate in um, well his his doctoral dissertation is about the the early Baptists, early Reformed Baptists in the 16th 17th centuries, and and their ecclesiology, how they did things, uh, and and wrote a book that has been really influential in the. Um, in the development of the modern Reformed Baptist movement, kind of helping us understand what our Baptist forefathers understood and how they practiced their doctrine of the church. Uh, he, he's authored several other books, um, but yeah, he travels a lot. We, we miss him. He's, he's away from us quite a bit, but a very busy man, and we're, we're willing to share him for the good of, of the greater kingdom. Uh, but that's kind of, yeah, Jim, the, the professor and the author, but, you know, as a pastor in our church, he's just uh, very gracious, very humble, very encouraging man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the question a lot of times, oh, is it, is it nerve wracking to preach for Jim Renahan every Sunday? And I say, <laughs> absolutely not. He's, he's the most encouraging right, right. man. Uh, just always right there with your sermons, always ready with a word of encouragement at the end. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I've, I've known him with many roles, you know, as, as first as my pastor, when I was uh, out at ERBC at, at the beginning, a professor now is my, my co-pastor and I'm, I'm privileged to know him and I hope that uh, your church gets a chance to know him better. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Lord willing, they will. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I had one other question before we conclude, and, and it was this. Um, if you could encourage Emmaus Christian Fellowship as we seek to come into SCAR BC, as it's called, <laughs> I guess that's the proper way to pronounce the acronym for the Southern California Association of Reformed Baptist Church. It's a mouthful, right? SCAR BC. Um, <laughs> h- how would you encourage uh, the people of, of Emmaus as we um, continue on this journey? Hmm. Uh, just just to continue, <laughs> just just be faithful and keep pressing forward. Uh, you know, we, we're, as, as Joe said at the very beginnings of this kind of process toward toward membership, uh, it's a type of thing that, you know, in some ways doesn't need to be rushed. I, I don't in any way mean to discourage you from this, and we're excited about the possibility as well. Um, but it's it's like church membership. You, you mm-hmm. want, you want, you know, people who are definitely on the same page with you, and sometimes that takes, you know, a little bit of time to ascertain and in, uh, in discussions and conversations. So just to be faithful and keep, you know, pressing on in the ministry that God's given to you. And, uh, um, but certainly be prayerful about it, you know, because it's kind of like membership in a local church too. If it's not the right fit, it's not good for the church or for the individual member. Uh, so perhaps within associations. Um, and so just to be prayerful and, and, uh, and, um, you know, and press on, I think it'll be a, a good relationship if God, seems fit to uh to to make it work out right right mm-hmm. well, that's a good word um well we're excited about it who knows where the lord will take it you know but i, I know even right now for our people just being exposed to the <laughs> fact that there are others out there you know who are like-minded <laughs> is very encouraging mm. um i think opening opening ourselves up to those who are like-minded who are out there around us in southern california is is already a healthy thing for our church Mm. because it'll serve to challenge us you know i think in some ways to question you know um why we do things the way we do and what we believe and and all of that um your teaching this morning was i think excellent on the uh, biblical warrant for and benefits of uh, associationalism um i'll probably provide a link to that in in the the show notes here for this podcast so that people can listen to that teaching if they're interested um, it was wonderful teaching, and I, and I think it is important, you know, and this is something I've been saying to the people of Emmaus for a number of years now, that we don't know which association is going to be the right fit for us. And we've been kind of looking in upon a number of them. Um, but one thing we're we're pretty convicted of is this idea that it's not good for us to remain totally independent and isolated mm. on our own, mm. you know. And so it's an exciting time for us just to begin to um, wade out into this uh, this, this world a little bit, you know, <laughs> and to be encouraged and to also be challenged. And so we will definitely be prayerful through it. You know, mm-hmm. Lord, would you just show us if this is the right fit for us? And if not, Lord, would you show us where that home is? Because yeah. we do want to be accountable. And I think when I use the word we, that applies to the whole church in a sense, but mm. um, I think even in a more pronounced way that applies to uh, the leadership of this local church. Yeah. Uh, we do need that accountability that you were talking about this morning mm. in your teaching. And um, so we're just trusting that the Lord's going to guide and direct and that he'll bring good from this. And so uh, I really do appreciate you taking this time, Jason, to uh, share with us about yourself and Christ Reformed Baptist Church. And um, we will definitely have you in our thoughts and prayers in the weeks and months to come. So we'll be praying, praying for all of you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that concludes this rather brief episode of Confessing the Faith. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, took the time to listen in. Uh, check back regularly for for, uh, for new updated episodes. Until then, uh, walk worthy. God bless. Mm-hmm.